Um, we're continuing in Ephesians, and uh, I say this each week. I hope that you've taken time to read the book of Ephesians this week. I encourage you, uh, as we look at the different sections, to take time to read the whole letter, because we read letters in one sitting. Uh, and so I'm also going to now challenge you to do something a little bit different. This is, our, this is week five. We're in chapter three, and I hope that you've been reading uh, about, takes about 15, 20 minutes to read through. Uh, but this next week when you do it, uh, I want to encourage you to do it in a different translation than what you normally read it in. Because even when we read it in the same translation, we kind of get used to those words, we get used to the way it's said, and uh, so I encourage you to read it in a different translation that's maybe said just a little bit different. Uh, most all of us, I'll say most all of us, uh, don't know Greek and Hebrew real well, if at all. You know, we don't read that. We read in American. We read English. Yeah, I'm going to say American. Um, we read in English, and, and it's just every one you pick up, the different translations are worded different. And there's different things that might spark, stand out, be different than what you normally read in the one that you're used to or that you always read in. With that said, I'm going to read in the same translation I always do. Um, first. But then second, I'm going to read in another one. So uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to invite you to stand in honor of God's Word. So Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given, to, given me to preach, the gospel, or preach to the Gentiles and the boundless riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this letter that you have preserved that Paul wrote and sent out to the uh, early church. And uh, we thank you that we have it today to read, to listen to, to hear, to look at. And Father, we pray that you will keep your promise where you tell us that your word is alive and active and that today you would pierce us with your word so that we would be more like you, so that we would know you more, so that we would be uh, more effective for seeing your kingdom advance. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I I'm going to read these verses again. 
Uh, this time, uh, I'm going to read them from the Message Bible. And I know some people would say, well, that's not a real Bible. That's not a real translation. Um, you know, I think Eugene Peterson did a good job, uh, but he words things a little bit differently. And uh, I'm just going to say this. Uh, we stood when I read that one. I'm going to have you seat, sit for this one. Uh, but I'm going to read this again. And what I want you to do, if you have it on your phone or in your device, uh, you can follow along with, if you're following along with the message, you know, you can click and change it. But if you don't have the message in front of you, I'm going to ask you, don't follow, don't try to follow along because then you're going to get distracted with, well, that's different or he didn't, that's said differently. And I just want you to listen, okay? Uh, if, if you have your device and could switch to the message, that's fine. But otherwise, just listen to the different way uh, that he says this. Ephesians 3. This is why I, Paul, am in jail for Christ having taken up the cause of you outsiders, so-called. I take it that you're familiar with the part I was given in God's plan for including everybody. I got the inside story on this from God himself, as I just wrote you in brief. As you read over what I have written to you, you'll be able to see for yourselves into the mystery of Christ. None of our ancestors understood this. Only in our time has it been made clear by God's Spirit through his holy apostles and prophets of this new order. The mystery is that people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of him all their lives, what I've been calling outsiders and insiders, stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, same help, same promises in Christ Jesus. The message is accessible and welcoming to everyone across the board. This is my life work, helping people understand and respond to this message. It came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise, God hand, handling all the details. When it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. God saw to it that I was equipped, but you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. And so here I am preaching, and writing about things that are way over my head, the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring out in the open and make plain what God, who created all this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Through followers of Jesus like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. All this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God, and then executed in Christ Jesus. When we trust in him, we're free to say whatever needs to be said. Bold to go wherever we need to go. So don't let my present trouble on your behalf get you down. Be proud. A little bit different? Mostly the same. It's the same subject. Saying the same things. It says it in a little bit different way. And for me, when I read these different, different translations, even including the message here, I see just this, the way that different words kind of become a little bit more real to what the message is saying. And I don't mean the message, I mean the message, the subject. Okay, it's a little bit different. So I want to encourage you, as you're looking at uh, this week, as you take time to read through the book of Ephesians, do it in a different translation. And I'm going to say this, maybe you're doing a different one each week moving forward. And see what those different words are. It took me longer to read through this week because I kept, I'm looking at the two different ones. I'm looking at NIV. I'm looking at the message. How is that different? How is it the same? Just saying different. And what stands out? 
But it's, uh, it was really cool. What I enjoyed was the different ways that the Holy Spirit spoke to me by doing that. All right. I got five points. There is so much in here. There's so much in these verses. And I know I say that, but it's so fun. And I get so excited about the things that are in here. Um, but we're going to talk about uh, five different things today. Attempt to. The first one is the circumstances do not change our identity. Circumstances do not change our identity. Uh, verse one. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Where's Paul? In prison. He's in jail. What's Paul doing in prison? What's that? He's writing a letter. What's the subject of the letter? He's preaching the gospel still. Why is he in prison? For preaching the gospel. He is only prolonging his own sentence, isn't he? Isn't he? Right? If he's been put in jail for preaching the gospel, and while in jail he's continuing to preach the gospel, his circumstances has not changed his identity. It is who he still is. We cannot let our circumstances change our identity. We cannot let our circumstances change who we are and what God has called us to do, who he has called us to be. That must remain the same regardless of what our circumstances may be. Would anyone have blamed Paul for stopping? No, we wouldn't have blamed Paul. I mean, he's in jail. He got arrested. He got put in there because of what he's been doing and he should stop what he's doing so he could get out, right? I mean, that's lot. That's what we, who would have thought that? That's what we would have thought. We would have said, I'm done with this. I'm, we wouldn't have blamed Paul if he would have stopped. But Paul continues. He holds on. He's continuing to advance the gospel even while he's in jail because it's who he is. It's who Christ is in him. So our circumstances cannot change our identity. A quick story of a friend, uh, well, a friend of a friend, a guy that I knew had a good friend that was a youth pastor. This youth pastor, like any, and if I've shared this story, I apologize, I'm going to share it again. Um, Like any youth pastor, uh, youth pastors have youth over to their house. Okay, it just happens. And uh, there's a lot of youth that would come over to this guy's house. Uh, he was married, had some kids, and these youth would come over and hang out at his house. Well, it had been a, an especially long week, and uh, this guy was tired, his wife was tired, the kids were tired and cranky, and it was getting late one evening, and a bunch of youth had been there at his house, and he basically said, hey guys, it's been a long week, I need you guys to go home. Um, one of the girls that was part of the youth group, she didn't want to go home. She wanted to stay. She was not happy with this youth pastor that was telling him to go home. So she, to show her frustration, uh, decided to tell her parents that when he was, she was over at the house that the youth pastor was doing inappropriate things. And she held on to the story and uh, it, got, it became bigger and bigger and got out. And eventually the uh, youth pastor ended up in jail for what he had done. What she said he had done. And he was getting in a sentence. He was put in jail. Um, difficult time. Uh, could have been difficult for him. I mean, he, here he is 
in jail, an innocent guy. He could have stopped what he was doing. He could have ended up upset, mad at God. Instead, he said, God, this is where you placed me, and I love you, and I'm going to continue to serve you. And so there in prison, he continued to share the gospel and talk and lead Bible studies and help with uh, help lead chapels and things of that nature. And he started to see a ministry grow there in the prison and seeing people come to know Jesus. About two years after he'd been in in the prison, uh, this girl decided she confessed that the whole thing had been a lie um, and that he was there falsely accused. And so after that confession, there were processes that kind of went through and he was released. Uh, the day that he was released from prison, there was a church down in Atlanta that had gotten wind of what had happened. And uh, the day he was released, they contacted him and invited him to come on staff full time with them as their pastor now of outreach and prison ministries. Much larger situation than he'd been in before, reaching even more people than he'd been part of. And he says, I hate that what I went through. I hate that what I went through. I hate that I had to suffer through what I suffered through. He says, I do not like the fact that this was placed on me and these false accusations came. But as a result, I love the ministry that I'm now part of. Because he was at a bigger, larger, reaching ministry than anything he'd been a part of. And that happened, I believe, because he stayed true, even with these false accusations, to his identity in Christ. We can't allow circumstances to change our identity. Second thing I want us to look at is this. In Christ, we are equal in our identity. In Christ, we are equal with our identity. Verse 6. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. We are equal in our identity. And I know we talked about this a little bit last week. We talked about who we are in Christ, the fact that we are equal. Uh, we're going to look at a few scriptures real quick. First, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. We're going to get to this one in a month or two. But uh, it says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We are all equal. There is no difference. We are the same. In Jesus, there is, we are the same. Uh, Paul in Galatians chapter 3 talks about this. And it says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We are all the same. We are all equal in Christ. And our world does all they can to divide us and to separate us and make us think that we are unequal, doesn't it? It's all over the place. We see it all the time. But the reality is, there's really only two identities. This is what I said last week. There's either we know Jesus or we don't know Jesus. And that's it. And those of us that know Jesus, we exist and come together so that people who don't know Jesus can come to know Jesus. We want them to come in and be part of us. We don't want to stand here and look at the differences. But that's all that our world wants us to do is see the differences. And I know that you're probably thinking of some specific examples right now about some of those differences. Um, but the thing is, this goes all the way back. This is so deep. Paul's writing this because of the whole Jews and Gentiles. Right now, a big one for us is the shade of our skin. We're different. And we need to see that. And I agree, we need to see that because God created us all differently. There is not a person in here that has less hair than I do. 
We're different. I hope that you don't walk away from me because I have less hair than you do. But we're all different. We were watching a movie the other night. Uh, we played in the golf tournament yesterday. Well, we chased golf balls around the grass and in the woods yesterday. And the golf tournament had a good time. Me and um, uh, the boys, my dad. And, and uh, so Brandon on Friday night says, hey, we're going to play golf tomorrow. We need inspiration. We need to watch a golf movie, okay? Anyone do that? You know, inspired. So we decided to watch a golf movie, and so we watched the movie The Greatest Game Ever Played. I don't know if you've seen that. It came out in 2005. Good movie. Uh, it's about the U.S. Open and an amateur that goes on to win the U.S. Open and to beat even a professional golfer. Uh, good story. The interesting part is this amateur that wins was just a caddy. And throughout the movie, it is many times he is reminded of what his place should be. Now, he's a white guy. But he was low income. And his family was low income. So he didn't fit. He, didn't, he, he couldn't play. They're like, well, he can't play. The first time he tried to play, they said, he can't play. He's just a caddy. Not only that, but the guy that he was playing, the pro golfer, over in England, he was not even part of a golf club because his family wasn't rich and he wasn't allowed even to be a member of that golf club. The world is constantly reminding us that we are not equal, that we should be separate, and that we stand differently. But in Jesus, he's constantly wanting us to know that we are equal. There is no Jew. There is no Gentile. There is no male. There is no female. We are all equal. We all submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. And we need to love each other and treat each other as equals. But this is what we do. We have all kinds of opposites that we have. We have the rich and we have the poor. We have the left and we have the right. And we get divided by that, don't we? Blue collar and white collar. Academic and high school dropout. We are constantly judging and looking at each other by our status in these different areas. I'll go one more. Bulldog and yellow jacket. <laughs> Georgia, Georgia Tech, if you didn't get that. I actually love it. I'm, I'm a Michigan fan, but I love watching games between Ohio State and Michigan with Ohio State fans. It's fun. But we do that. We separate on those differences Instead, we need to be focused on the fact that in Christ, we are equal in our identity. Third thing, our identity in Christ advances the kingdom. Verses 7 and 8, our identity in Christ advances the kingdom. Uh, Paul writes, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Jesus. Um, our identity in Christ advances the kingdom. And what Paul talks about here is the fact that he in himself does not advance the kingdom. He's weak. He doesn't do it. In, in the message version there, it said, it said, it says, there's not, nothing in me that did this. It was all Jesus. He says, I was the worst Christian to choose to do this job. But he's not doing it in him. He's doing it in his identity. And that's what's advancing the kingdom. We need to do the same thing. Zechariah 4, 6 reminds us that it's not in ourselves 
We have that. Uh, this, uh, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And Paul took that and he says, I'm the worst Christian to choose to choose do this task. But in his power, it'll be done. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. Paul says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. I loved what Jimbo had to say this morning. Uh, he actually, in his little part, he mentioned four of these five points, which I loved. I love the fact that I was just saying, oh my goodness, there's point one. Oh, there's point four. Uh, there's point two. <laughs> he, he hit four or five of them. And I'm like, that's what the Holy Spirit does when he brings things together. That's what he does. But he talks about, you know, he talked about his heart for evangelism. He talks about his heart for revival. He talked about his heart for just leading people to Jesus. He doesn't do that in his strength. He does that because the Lord has placed that heart in him. It's his strength that does it. Quick story. Uh, I was a freshman, just finished my freshman year, year here at Tacoa, and I went up to uh, North or went up to New York and worked at Delta Lake uh, Bible Conference Center in Rome, New York. Anyone ever been to Delta Lake uh, in Rome, New York? Uh, I had a chance to work there one summer. It had been a good summer. We did uh, the little kids first. Uh, well, they, they had what they called Haven Camp. We worked with uh, mentally challenged adults. And so we had them for a week. And then we had the, the, the young kids, um, the primary kids, and the junior kids a week of each. And then we had our middle schoolers. And then we got to senior high camp. And apparently there had been this group that had been coming to senior high camp since they were primaries. And they were troublemakers every, every year. Troublemakers every year. And the uh, midway through middle school camp, the uh, director comes to me and says, hey, you've heard about this troublemaker group that comes every year? He goes, yeah. I said, yes. He says, we've decided to put them all in your cabin. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank you. Um, and so as I was uh, preparing for the week, as we were, as the campers and middle schoolers had left, and I'm like, okay, Lord, what are you doing? Uh, why is this happening? I remember sitting down in the dock. Um, I remember sitting down in the dock and saying, okay, Lord, what's going on? Why are you doing this? And, and he showed me the verse in John chapter 3 where, it's, where um, John the Baptist is talking to his disciples about Jesus. And he says, he must become greater and I must become less. And God said to me, it doesn't matter what you do. If you keep your eyes fixed on me, I'm going to take care of the situation. I'm going to take care of the week. Um, these guys started coming in. We had camp check-in, and all the families were showing up. And I was sitting there with a couple of the staff who had been at camp and knew the campers that were coming in. And they were sitting there, and they started pointing out my guys as they arrived. And I was shorter than any of them. Um, at 5'8", five 5'8", eight. Uh, five eight probably I would say maybe 145 pounds, 150 pounds. And these guys were uh, probably six foot and built. I mean, like 210, big guys. One of them played football. One of them played, played baseball. They had all their stuff with them. Uh, they were all big guys. And I said, this is going to be a fun week. And we had some troubles off the start. And we had to do some discipline at the beginning of the week. Um, but by the end of the week, we were having a really good time together. And God began tearing down walls. 
And I saw many of these kids go forward that week. Many of those boys go forward that week and make commitments to Jesus. Um, when their parents showed up on, I forget which day, Friday or Saturday, whichever day they came back to get them. Um, the kids were, they were talking to them. And I had parents come and saying, my kid has never been excited about a week at camp until this year. What'd you do? And I just said it was all Jesus. Jesus. Uh, Jesus did all. Some of them were offering me money. Um, one, one, I didn't take any of that, but someone offered me uh, a bucket of KFC chicken, and I did take that. So, um, but it was an amazing week. It was an amazing week. And it wasn't anything that I did. It was all just saying, God, there's no way I can do, that with, do this with these troublemakers. But he says, don't worry, I'll do it. And he did. Um, our identity in Christ advances the kingdom. Fourth thing, we get to talk about our identity. Uh, Paul talks about his here in verses 9 through 11, uh, where he says, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is what's so cool. If, if, we are the, if Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, then we, we, we get to be in Jesus. We get to be in Jesus. And just like the vine then produces those branches just because of who he is, just because of who we are as those branches, those branches should, just in being there, should what? Naturally then produce fruit. Not because they're doing anything. The vine isn't there sitting there trying to say, okay, I'm going to produce fruit. I'm producing fruit. It, the vine doesn't even think about it. It's just it's who they are. It's the identity. It's the reason they're connected to the vine. If they weren't going to produce fruit, they would be cut off and thrown into the fire, right? We would prune them away. They're taken away. We don't even keep them. But because we are in Christ, just being in Christ automatically means that we will produce fruit. We automatically get to talk about Jesus and we should talk about Jesus. Our primary concern in life should be sharing the love of Jesus because we know what the love of Jesus has done for each and every one of us. We know that we've gone from being in the darkness and outsiders to now in the light and insiders. And our heart should be, we want to take everyone or as many people with us as possible because we know what we get. We know who we are. And we spend this time looking at our identity. And now some of you might say, well, evangelism isn't my gift. I'll tell you this, evangelism isn't my gift either. But I'm so thankful for what Jesus has done in the last... Nine years of my life, this has just become something that God has weighed in my heart so much that there are people out there that don't know him and he wants me to talk to him about it. And I can't be worried about, well, they're different than me or they might reject me or they might close the door on me or whatever. We just got to do it. If I love Jesus so much and I spend time with him, it should just naturally be happening. Now, about a year ago, I stood here and I actually apologized and said, I've been here for a year and I'm not sharing Jesus with anyone. And I was bothered by that, so I began saying, God, I need some doors. I need to know some people that don't know Jesus. I need to know some people that don't know you. And I asked him to show me ways that I can get to know people that don't know you. Because to be honest, I was just spending way too much time with Christians. I think we all spend way too much time with Christians. 
And for some reason, we also, as Christians, try to do our best to stay away from the world. And, and I understand we need to protect ourselves and all of that, but man, we do a, we do a I don't want to say good job, but man, we, we, we stay away from the world. And so I began asking God, one of my passions, you guys know this, I, I enjoy playing disc golf. I started playing disc golf because I used to play regular golf, um, but then I started having kids and I had to buy diapers and there went the golf fund. And disc golf was free. <laughs> and then as they got older, it was easy just to take them out onto the disc golf course in a wagon and pull them behind me. They wouldn't let me do that up at the ball golf course. But I could do that at the disc golf course, so it's something I enjoy. So here lately, I've been getting to know some guys. I started a league I did on, in the Saturday mornings in the spring and got to know some guys. I've been finding some other leagues, and I go and play with them. And I go because I just want to be around people that don't know Jesus. Because I want to be able to tell them about Jesus. Now, I haven't done that yet because I'm getting to know guys, and I'm getting, letting them get to know me. To, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I played with the guy over in Seneca. We had a chance to play. The next week, I went back. We didn't play together, but he kind of runs it. We sat there. We were sitting there afterwards waiting for all the groups to come in. And man, he just starts telling me about the things going on in his family. He doesn't know I'm a pastor. He didn't even know I'm a Christian. But he just started telling me stuff. I'm going back to play because I want to talk to this guy some more and see what God's doing. If we ask God to help us show people who Jesus is, if we ask God to help us be able to share the love of Jesus with people, he will open doors and allow us to do that when we are seeking that. And he'll give us more than we can imagine. We get to talk about our identity. And God will open those doors. Last one, uh, number five. Our identity allows us boldness and confidence. Verse 12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. God is not sitting there with the baseball bat ready to smack us every time we mess up. And I'll tell you this, if you go to God and he smacks you because you did something wrong, he's doing it in love because he wants you to be better than who you are. But he's not sitting there waiting for us to mess up. He loves us. And I'll go back to the prodigal son. Look at how he responds to both of the boys. The one he throws the party, he sees them far off and he starts celebrating. He's so excited. The other one he says, son, what are you doing? Everything I have is yours. That's how God wants to respond to us. Just like he's responded to both of them. He celebrates when he saw him coming and the one that was sitting there, he says, everything I have is yours. Enjoy. God loves us, and we get to approach him with boldness and confidence. I love it. Hebrews 4. If you have your Bibles, flip over to Hebrews 4 real quick. I don't hear enough pages turning. I hate. They should add that into phones. If you have an app, they should add the sound of the pages turning. All right. Ephesians, or Hebrews 4. Uh, verses 14 through 16 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one that has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Verse 16, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. If you're saying, I don't know how to do that, just go to God and he'll help you. 
And do it with confidence. I love kids. Who, who, who knows the show, the, the kids say the darndest things? You ever heard that show? Anyone? Am I the only one? It's so funny. Why do they? Because they have no filter. Because they don't care what people think. They just say it. They just say. They just talk. They're not worried about it. I love what's happened during the pandemic. Everyone working from home. Everyone doing their video conferences from home. Doing their Zoom from home. You can go Google this and look for these videos. Videos of kids walking in on their parents' Zoom calls. They're hilarious. Why? Because the kid's like, well, it doesn't matter. This is my house. I can go where I want. I'm allowed in this room. We own this room. I don't care what you're doing. They go in, and, and parents are so funny because they're like so apologetic, and they're trying to move their kid out like discreetly, trying to, you know, some of them are like trying to do it like they're not really doing it, you know, and they're so embarrassed. They're so ashamed. Oh, my kid came in. I mean, it just, it's fun to watch. But the kids, they have no filter. They don't care. They just say how it is because they have confidence. They have boldness. We need to approach our Father the same way. Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, he's talking about the kids. He says, let the kids come. Let the kids come. He says, unless someone comes to me like a child, and whether that's the innocent side or just the fact that there's just boldness to approach. The kids just want to approach whatever it is. Unless you come, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. We need to be bold in our approach to God like kids are. What time is it? I'm going to ask Pastor Chris to come. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you today. But I want to encourage you to look back, read back through this chapter some more. Read back through chapter 3 and remember that our, what our identity in Jesus is, is. Our, our identity in Jesus doesn't change whatever our circumstances might be. Our identity in Jesus means that we're equal. And everyone that knows Jesus is equal. And really we've got to remember that everyone was create, created by God. And they either should know Jesus, either know Jesus, or should know Jesus. And we need to love him and treat him the same way. Our, our identity in Jesus is what advances the kingdom. For whatever reason, God left it up to us. We get to talk about our identity, and we get to do it with boldness and confidence. I'm going to pray for us, and Pastor Chris is going to come and close the service. I'm going to invite you to stand as we pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for who we are in you. God, help us to believe you. Father, I think we hear the lie too often that we're not good enough, that we can't do it. And, the, and it's right, but in you we can. In you we can because of what you do. So help us in you, in our identity, because of all that you've given us to walk and live this life in you with everything that that means, with everything that means. Father, we should want others to know about how great you are. Thank you, Jesus.